0: It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the multiplexes and at the art house. Warehouse, farmhouse, house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. You'll also hear about new and old films on Blu-ray and on DVD. Plus, you'll hear all the latest Hollywood gossip. I don't care! Okay, maybe not the latter, but it is time for Film Sociology with WFYI's film guru, Kaiser Shizzy. No, that's Matthew Sosie. It's such cup. a
1: fine line between stupid and, and clever. Yes. Yeah.
0: Let's see how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosie. Hello there, film lovers. Welcome to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msocey, that's M-S-O-C-E-Y at WFYI.org. I'm also on Facebook, also on Twitter at Matthew Soci. The show is available as a podcast. It's also available on iTunes. And we have a blog, which someday will be updated at filmsociology.tumblr.com. Join me in studio today is a gentleman I've worked with on air, on stage, off-air, off-stage, and for once he does not have to say phone numbers or websites, uh, is Jim Simmons. How are you, Jim? I am doing fine, Matt. Th- thanks for inviting me on the show. Appreciate that. Uh, now, uh, th- we're going to talk about a couple of films, smaller films, that that are opening this week. However, the the main one, the and this is one that Jim and I got to see, not uh-huh. together, but we got to see it uh, this past week. Uh, he saw it on Video On Demand. I got to see uh, an online screener of it, and it's not opening here in indie so this and it's kind of it's a little bothersome because it's a, it's a it's a pretty good film and the fact that it's not getting a date here, because we've been, I've been getting online screeners of certain films where it's playing in like Fort Wayne and Evansville, and in some reason it's not getting here. And I really hope, if you're a video on demand person, I guess you can check it out there, obviously. Jim did. Um, but I still like the idea of actually going to a theater and sitting down in the dark with uh, popcorn with real butter. and
2: That's how it's meant to be done. And
0: other items. Uh, anyway, but, uh, but the film <laughs> opening this weekend, and you go check it out, is Morris from America. And it's a story about an American father and son teenage son uh, living in Germany dad's working for a uh, a soccer team and the the 13 year old is just trying to be a 13 year old boy in a a country he does not know that well and a language he does not know all that well either
2: you know what's funny about it is is without going into a lot of detail so I don't know how how much detail do we go into. so we do well we don't want to give it it away you know what's funny about it is real early in the film Morris meets a love interest and your first initial reaction is is it's it's like, oh, we're gonna see a version a new version of Karate
0: Kid. A meet cute kind yeah, of thing, yeah. Because
2: she is really cute, he is really kind of shy, and she seems to have an inordinate interest in him that you can't really justify by who he is. And then what the film does is really interesting because they turn all of that on its head. Yep, and and it reminds you of that song "Cruel to Be Kind," <laughs> in Thank the you, right Nicole. measure. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, oh no. If you are interested in in some quirky, really really quirky twists and turns of a teenage relationship, this character is written as "Cruel to Be Kind." She is push pull. To the man,
0: yeah, not not a manic pixie dream girl. Um, and there's, as I was watching it, I was actually jotting a couple of notes down. It this is not a John Hughes film, and and it's a you know it's a small independent picture that uh, it has one name star, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, it is so it's not a John Hughes suburban fantasy fairy tale, but it's not Boys in the Hood either. Um, Race is brought up just a little bit. We you you. It's funny you mentioned the Karate Kid. There there's a few scenes the, the sun it goes goes to a uh, community youth center to uh, try to interact and make friends. And, of course, there is the kind of obligatory ball cap wearing D-bags who, especially because... Uh, German.
2: She calls them German. Right. Well, we can't say that. Here, right. But but, but, it, it. but,
0: it's, but it, be, it is assumed by a couple of people because the kid is African-American and male that he is expected to play basketball. Of course, he does not. He wants to be a gangster rapper, even though he has no gangster lifestyle into him whatsoever. There's a, there's a fun scene where the son... Uh, freestyles and his father who who was who was an amateur rapper in his day uh, kind of kind of puts him down for rapping about stuff you don't know about he's he's never been with two girls he's never been with one girl for that matter um, so you know kind of a rap what you know and that that is eventually brought up in another scene that on paper um, we've seen films that have events going on at the school talent show If you do them well, they're not sitcom material, and uh, you know the results of his performance are not are not taken Hollywood style. And you
2: know what's funny is because that's another one of the little curves they give you because he the what's in question what gets him this is I don't think is going to wreck for a lot of people is he does get kicked out of school because he gives these lyrics that are completely wrong for the venue. And early along, uh, these lyrics are discovered by his dad, uh, that, that he's got them written down. And that's the scene that Matt's talking about where he says, you know, you're not, you're not doing all this stuff. You're, you're supposed to talk about what you know. And the boy says, well, I, I, I'm, I was just writing that down. I'm not going to do that. And so it's another one of those little curves they give you yep. where he's, he's lying to his dad like nobody's business. And it gets him in all kinds of trouble. And Dad is really, really, really interested in this, interesting in this, because what comparison do I want to make? Is he is he the Andy Griffith of Germany? <laughs> he's, no, he is really firm, and he does have a firm stance with his son, with Morris, but he's never angry.
0: Mm-hmm. He never
2: hits him. He always explains that lengthy scene in the car where he explains how love makes you do really crazy wonderful things. scene.
0: They talk about meeting him, about how he met his mother, not the sitcom.
2: Yeah, yeah, and 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 so you really admire the dad, and and it's so. In fact, that's the thing that the Matt and I were talking about right before we started doing the recording here. There's a funny vibe to this film, mm-hmm. that that it, and it's all resting with the casting in the sense that every character in it has something. Majorly wrong with them, I mean, in some way or another, uh and yet you fundamentally feel as you watch this that they're all basically good, and in the end um Morris is in a situation in the end where he's been betrayed significantly by several people in his life, and yet you don't you don't feel sadness, no, nope. you don't feel like anything happened that was out of the ordinary or that you couldn't see coming. And so it's a funny movie in the sense that it's buoyantly cast, and it lets you ride through a lot of scenes that in in, in other movies might have been real real downers, and you just kind of accept them. You go, or oh, or
0: really, pa- pandering, I guess, when it comes to, to you know to your to your multiplex mall crowd.
2: Yeah, and the one scene where he does his 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 big number with the band, it's not a breakthrough moment. It's, it's, yeah, a little it's not. It's teeny. not.
0: It, it looks like it, it could have been an eight mile moment, in, or you know, the, the big breaking. You know, the next thing you see him as an adult, a big saying, star. And, you know, but no,
2: no, it's 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 a little moment that actually leads to a downward slide. To be honest, the big mm-hmm. moment. So this movie, what it what it has is it's full of a lot of these little, little twists and turns. Where you think you're going one place and you're going another, and then what's a, a little bit entertaining is it has that real independent feel to it in the sense that there's just enough directing touches. Like the scenes, they always they always revert back to that scene in the kitchen where someone is sitting behind the kitchen table all by themselves, whether mm-hmm. it's dad, whether it's... There's, you know, the the solitude of, uh-oh, what just happened. There are enough touches when you see what Morris is thinking in slow-mos and stuff like that. So you get this sense that someone is directing this film and you get this in an arty sense that they're directing it. You know, you're supposed to feel mm-hmm. the director's presence, but by the same token... It's not a heavy presence. And so you have this very, very light film that, if you really sat down and thought about it, had some pretty heavy-duty things happen. So
0: Yeah. And uh, just a note, the, the, the character of Morris, the kid, is played by Marquise Christmas. And just looking – he's got four credits to his name, uh, a TV series, uh, uh, another TV, TV movie, as well as this. The The people – the one casting that people are going to know playing the dad is Craig Robinson, who you best know from The Office. And is, you know, appearing hearing everything from Zach and Mary make a porno to This is the End, the Pineapple <laughs> Express. and And, yes, on paper, it's funny guy gets a chance to do something serious. And it's not – it, it, it's not begging for an award. It's it's being able to do something different and and use the comedic elements to have some serious moments. There, there's as you, Jim mentioned, there's a scene in the car where the t- he's picking up the son after a very long, uh, very long stretch of time in another city, and he talks about how he met his mother, his wife, uh, she who is who has passed away, um, and there's just uh, you know the the seriousness of it with just a little touch of. Little touch, a little light touch here and there. There's a scene at the beginning of the film um, about what happens when you're grounded, and it looks like you're you're done being grounded. No, actually, you know, you're still grounded. So, but and and the fact that the father son dynamic, they they all they they're all they really have. I mean, he there's a couple there's a moment where. The dad goes out with a couple other coaches on the soccer team, football team, that he, that he works for. But it's not quite the same dynamic as, as the one that he has with his son.
2: Yeah, no, and, and some, of it, some of it does seem slightly added on. The scene uh, dad
0: calls a, uh, a phone operator. A phone operator. There you <laughs> go. There we
2: go. And, and that seems, I guess what I liked about that is that seemed so completely uncharacteristic of him that it almost seemed like an add-on. But by the same token, it did fit in at the end of the movie with this whole thing that everybody's got that little flawed side, yep. you know, where you kind of collapse for a little bit and you do something that perhaps you would think better of had you gotten through that one moment where you really needed to do something crazy. And that seems to be a vibe that, that's, in the whole, that's in the whole movie. So an interesting, interesting little movie. I'll say that it's an interesting little movie. I hope what we've done is talked enough about it that it intrigues people's interest without giving a lot away. And I know it's kind of hard to do, right? You know, to talk around a film without. Well, being...
0: and I think we're also used to seeing trailers where everything is given away. Oh, oh, yeah,
2: no, yeah, this is. But you know, this it has a lot of little surprises, um, and it makes makes it worth worth your while. It makes it worth the trip.
0: Absolutely. Now, also opening in theaters this weekend. If you don't have video on demand and you don't want to travel to Fort Wayne and Evansville. I understand, uh, but but the uh, the biz, the corporate business drama Equity, which is a story about a, a senior investment banker who's threatened by a financial scandal and intrigue of uh, and there's web, you know, online web of corruption and deception. And I guess on paper it looks like, and it's it's predominantly a female cast, um, and it, it's not trying to be a female Wall Street. And that
2: female is in front of the camera as well as in behind the camera two of the Correct. performers two of the performers are actually producers for yep. the show and it has a female director and female writer so it's a it's a different look.
0: Yeah. I'm Anna concerned. Gunn, who I, I had to I had the look up. She's a, a working actress, just constantly working. You've seen her in things, whether you don't know. I mean, she uh, probably most notably played Skylar White in Breaking yeah, bad, bad, but films like Enemy of the State and Red State and Sassy Pants, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Like, but as or as I refer to her as um, happier, older sister of Catherine Heigl kind of look <laughs> to her. So uh, but she's the one that, uh, you know, <laughs> she's she's funny because she has this this. Sweet, almost every person
2: face, every woman face, mm-hmm. and they're always cast in these things where she does these horrible, right? You know, it's like, guess, well, yo, here's you how nice with, I can look as I, you know, do something really horrible. You to go to you. the word of word, yeah. So yeah.
0: On, on paper, it you know, for lack of a better comparison, you say it's a female Wall Street or The Big yeah. Short or any anything with corporate. You know, yeah, I say uh, corporate d bags. You know, instead of instead of having slick hair and shark skin suits or shark skin mentality. Um, so we, we, yeah, we have this woman who is trying to make a, a new acquisition, but there was the last group, the last deal failed. There's also uh, the U.S. Attorney's office, and the woman in charge of that investigation with her company is a classmate of hers and female. So it, I there's a part of it of um, of Showing that yeah, females can be just as harsh as men in the business world, and it doesn't feel like a gimmick. On paper, I you know I could see mm-hmm. understand that, but the performances are really solid. What um, about it, the pacing? The pacing of the book. Here's the thing: because mm-hmm. I did
2: not get an opportunity to see it, but I looked at a couple of the trailers. You know how the trailers are these days? It's dun 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 dun. Yeah, every, everything's and, a Michael Bay trailer. You know, and then and then, but I watched two scenes of it, and one scene was when they were trying to work um, out the the deal with the the new client, and he is not very receptive to the Anna Gunn character. And then, um, is it Sarah Megan Thomas? Is that the other? I think that's right. She jumps in and says, let's think of this as a party, and he kind of warms to it. That scene I liked. There was another scene in a bar where she thinks that her classmate is trying to get information from her. It seemed a titch slow, and I don't know in the grand scheme of things if that was kind of like you're supposed to feel a trap is being laid, so I was curious about the pacing of this.
0: Well, it, in, on, it, it's only an hour and forty minutes, and I think it moves along really well. I mean, there, uh, I think it's that, no big short though. Where no, like, it's not a big short. <laughs> uh, of course, everything life would be a lot easier if things were explained by Margot Robbie in a bathtub. I'm a pig, I know, uh, but but huh. there there are some moments of. Uh, Anna Gunn's character Naomi, who is is dating somebody, who is going, his presence is going to play a part in what happens with this big deal, capital B, Uh capital D, Um, and the fact that her boy her boyfriend guy. Who right. she's sleeping with, she's uh, and what happens with uh, with uh, yeah with the Sarah Megan Thomas character with Aaron, who's the uh, uh, kind of one of the VPs because these companies have twenty seven VPs, um, so there there is that web of what's going to happen if this person finds out about this and that person finds out about that, and of course the attorney's office is investigating, and and it, you know these, it, it's fun because this is like the we, we use the term white collar criminal we you know we've seen plenty of movies about the the, the one last bank job. Well, in this case, it's the one last business acquisition, and and of course things do not go smoothly. Um, it it is it is I think tone wise it reminded me of Margin Call, which I think is a great uh, about the bank collapse with uh, uh, Jeremy yeah, Irons and yeah, Demi Moore. Yeah. Um, it is it's not heightened. It's not you know it's not it's not an Oliver Stone film. I know people. I, I said it's for people with a lack of better comparison, they'll say it's a female Wall Street because it's about. Harsh business folk, it just happens to be a predominantly female cast um uh, but i but but it, it is a downward spiral we have seen before. Have you seen enough films about big business? you know one of the
2: common denominators of these types of films though is that there's no there's no justice correct uh, so my curiosity has been raised by you in the sense that um does this film have a sense you know you know wall street there's this kind of a justice at the end but but boy, the big short and films like that you right. know, all I- the scoundrels do quite well. I was curious as to whether this continued in the fine line of Scoundrels Escaping. Um,
0: I will say it's not as clever as The Big Short, of course, because that's just a great film and a great screenplay. And and I I got a feeling, especially after experiencing that film, this uh, any film about big business that follows is probably going to be a step down. Um, but that's not taking away anything from equity itself. There is the climax of... You know how is this business going to do when the bell rings? Uh-huh. you know you know they want it you know the x amount of number is expected will it meet that expectation and and of course when it, when something is available on the open market for the first when you know company goes public uh depending on how good or how bad things go, immediate action is taken. Okay. How's that
2: <laughs> no well here's the, here's the thing to all of you listening. I hope that what Matt said has whetted your appetite uh and obviously. Has not answered the no. No, <laughs> my I'm not guts. doing that. It's that's going to have to be a conversation that takes place after the mics are dead because so I if, am really, yeah, really if, curious. If
0: you enjoy, if you enjoy corporate drama, the, I'd uh-huh. say this is definitely up your alley. And and there's, I wondered if there was. There's only a couple of moments that it, it actually works from the performances, but there, there's one point in particular I take. Uh, i I take note with of the the gen the 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 roles of the role reversal I guess for lack of better mm-hmm. comparison I, I I there's a scene near the end of the film where uh, where the Naomi character where Anna Gunn's character notices that there are less chocolate chips in her cookie than the guy than the man sitting next to her. And she has a she has a meltdown to to somebody. Problem. Right. And it will. And and of course, it was intentional. Well, and De Niro did the exact same thing in (laughs) Casino 20 years ago, but that was more not about gender, but it was just about business efficiency. So anyway, that that's probably the big equality statement in the film. And on and and she handles it well. It's it's not blown up like a cartoon.
2: You know, one of the things I don't know, uh, it would be nice uh, knowing all the backstory of this film and how uh, it was based on some friends. That the the producers had that were actually Wall Street bankers who were female, who thought this was really a good story that needed to be told. It's it would be nice if this film did well. I, one of the things I do as in as liking films, and I don't know if if Matt uh, if you do this, but hmm. there's a website called Box Office Mojo, and every, every Monday sun,
0: actually Sunday afternoon. <laughs> well,
2: I wait for the actuals because he kind of gives his estimates on Sunday, and and uh, Equity is a real sleeper. It's been out since. A month ago, and it's well, not done all that much box office, and that's a little disappointing to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know, they I, I don't know how many theaters it's been released in, I don't know. Um, uh, are you getting on the web? To check? Yeah, we're
0: gonna do hot clicking action during oh, the show, okay?
2: So, so what do I want to start singing a song of some kind? Or, no, absolutely, I can talk not. about our theatrical experiences together. Uh,
0: or... then we'll save that okay. really for <laughs> okay.
2: No, but no, but here's the thing you know, you, you always go on box office mojo, and you want things. To do well, yeah. Uh, if you like them, and and it's and you're surprised sometimes at what doesn't work. The other thing, and I'll throw in this as a non sequitur while you're looking. Sure, I got it. And then and then you sometimes you get real justice because you see like they're remaking Ben Hur, and you want that thing oh, to tank boy. so bad. Well, right and, now it is, and, you, and you go like. You know, and then you, and then you wonder you know uh you know i've got this great film idea myself i wonder if i could pitch it i'd like to pitch it to the same studio executive that thought remaking ben hur was just a great idea because they'll like Go for anything, so I know that sounds kind of, kind of snarky, but you know that's the deal. Um, but anyway, no equity. Uh, I wish it w- would have been doing
0: better. Well, here's here's according to the weekend reports. No, ladies and gentlemen, I do not look at the daily reports. I'm not in no. the business. No. I have the show. That's no. all. But uh, from uh, from the weekend of August 26th through the 28th. It has received an extra 212 th- screens nationwide. Oh, okay, okay, so, so it's picking up. It, it is picking up. It's 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 about nine. According to this, about nine hundred twelve thousand dollars and change. So it should hopefully break a million uh, by next weekend. And uh, hopefully with a wider audience. So um, yeah, so hopefully more folks will check this out.
2: Producers claim that they did everything on a shoestring.
0: Of course. Yeah, so, so well, I think and I think also if you yeah because a lot of these scenes you know a restaurant, an apartment, and if you can get a business uh, you know an empty uh, floor of an office or yeah. an overnight uh, you know borrow an office overnight. So that's smart filming. <laughs> but yeah, I can't. I would really like to see. I, yes, I'm the person that goes through all the commentaries and because I actually still buy these things and. Uh, I would like to. I would like to find out how they made it because I think uh, it, it it's really well done. Good, really enjoyed good, it. Good.
2: So, now oh, I have to now. Please, is it, is it in this market? Did it? Did what? I miss it?
0: I missed it. What? Or- what equity? No, it's it gone. it is opening it's opening this weekend. Okay. It's okay. it's at, it's going to be at the uh you'll know, so you an email after for the yeah, next, uh, this, next will, week's show, this will this will be at it. the Northside Place where they put real popcorn or real butter on the popcorn and uh there's a there's real, a real alcohol in the uh, There is oh, real cocktails yeah. happening over there. So the, yeah, that's that's happening up there on the Northside. Okay, so all right. So those are happening there. Um let's I want to get to a couple of Blu-ray titles of note. Um The Jungle Book is out, so, you know, Disney is re rebooting everything between this and uh, Pete's which Dragon. There's only
2: one live performer, and everything else is CG and big
0: voices. So out there, um, also out there is uh, if if you're into Nicholas Sparks without ha- Nicholas Sparks, you have uh, Me Before You, the uh, the weepy drama with Amelia. I didn't Clark. see
2: it, but I have a friend who said it was a it was a four hanky. A, a four
0: hanky. Well, I I saw it with my family. And, uh, dry eye in the theater. no, this, the, there's, there's a very specific moment that is happening in the Soce household with this film. Now me before you was, it was okay. I have a 14 year old daughter in the house and, uh, you know, Amelia Clark is fine. She, you know, she takes care of token cinematic hunky British, mm-hmm. uh, quadriplegic, <laughs> yeah. but, um, Again, it's okay. It's, you know, with uh, the Nicholas Sparks novels, you can feed them to diabetics when they go in the shock. And this one you kind of can as well. What I'm going to remember about this more than the film itself, but uh, my daughter and a friend of hers from school really, really wanted to see it. uh, The friend especially. So uh, Mrs. Sosie and I, Lynn and I took the kids and they sat separate from us. Oh really? That's a first. And and this this I I did this when I was their age. Um oh, I, I remember oh, okay. I remember going to a movie with uh with a babysitter of mine and her daughter and I, I sat away from them. So it is so they the were, Roosters they have were Come Home to,
2: for the movie and you were over on the other side weeping with because they were be, leaving the nest, sort of in a symbolic way. And, so. and by the way, em, right.
0: Emma was not weeping at this one. Oh, okay, <laughs> her, okay. Her friend, who I won't name because I don't want to embarrass her. Her her friend is the heart clutcher of oh. uh, of the group. Emma, of course, is probably the Aubrey Plaza of her of her little little circle of friends. I
2: was curious how Amelia Clark did. I mean, one of the things is uh, on the trailers again. It's the only ones that I've been able to see. Is she seems over the top. She seems a little too sugary. She is and really I,
0: energetic and and intent, well, and really wonder, high eyebrow acting. I think somebody wrote about.
2: Well, when somebody's in a
0: successful TV show, and and yeah, it is. it is always ask the of question: pace. Do
2: they have a career after the TV show? And and TV shows are littered with characters who are extremely popular, top, you know, front of magazine, cover of magazine characters who kind of like vanish within two years right after their TV show goes away. And I was just curious as to. Whether she has a a dazzling career ahead of her or a question mark career, based on this,
0: you have no idea. No, I I question mark because it's it's one film. It's not huge. Um, Mm -hmm. It did okay. It's you know it's not Game of Thrones by any stretch of the imagination. So you know we'll see what this was her. I I think if I this is like her first starring role. So or I mean or at least co headline in this case. But uh, you don't know. I think the the, the jury's still out on that one.
2: No showgirls. It's not a career career uh, killer. Gosh, yeah, that's that's an
0: example of that. So. <laughs> that's a horrible example. But okay, that's a, I, I take it back. She was in Terminator Genesis, which I didn't see because oh, I, okay. I've seen yeah, enough Terminator films in my day. Oh, so yeah, they're, they're, No, um, I don't know. The jury's still out on that one. And okay. Game of Thrones has no signs. I don't think it's showing any signs of slowing down anytime soon. Game of Thrones? Yeah. Uh, two more seasons. Two more. Okay. Yeah, and, well, and go. They're
2: going to do the Breaking Bad format where they're going to split it into two short seasons. I think it's a seven and an eight or an eight and an eight. Someone listening right now probably knows exactly. And they'll send uh, us
0: a note correctly. They that. said,
2: no, they said they wanted it to get to like 94 shows. And since they're on their own now, you know, they've, they've outpaced the books. They're not, the guy's still writing the next book. And they right. just decided to go off and do their own thing. They said they're going to bring all the storylines to a close which is interesting because they brought a huge chunk of them to a close the last season in big ways. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure what they still have to drag out for two more seasons. But there'll be two short seasons and that'll be it.
0: Okay. Is what they've announced. There you go. So there is okay. that. Yeah. But yeah, change of pace. There's me before you. to date night. I guess uh, I, I remember saying to our old uh, my old colleague, uh, Kobe Slagle, uh, to his wife Bianca, this is something that Bianca and her mother would see in a heartbeat. Oh, and mm-hmm. and guys, you might take one for the team and see this one so you can... There, there are worse weepy films out there. <laughs> um, you This is one you can tolerate and then you can drag them to whatever remake action film you want to go see. Okay. Uh, also on uh, Blu-ray and DVD this week, and this, I, I was really... I'm glad this is, I got to see this in the theater um but the on Criterion the uh, DVD and Blu-ray of Orson Welles's Chimes of Mi- Chimes at Midnight mm-hmm. which is basically Orson Welles as Falstaff and it's it's taking Shakespeare's Henry V and Henry IVs and kind of mashing them up and turning them into the Orson Welles show and that's that from 1965 I got to see this at the Music Box Theater in Chicago earlier this year before the release um, you know, Wells is known famously at times for his unfinished projects and his finished projects. This is one he finished, one of the last ones that he finished. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Features that dazzling mix that he does in his Shakespeare of absolutely remarkable camera
2: angles, which I think are Olivier inspired. Coupled with some of the worst theatrical makeup. <laughs> yeah, well, I would say this isn't this isn't
0: the Othello. And yes, yes, Orson Welles did Othello, and and it's not, uh, or it's not even Olivier as Othello. Olivier is Othello, he looks like Ozzy Davis, um, and it's not Macbeth.
2: Well, I was thinking of Hamlet, Olivier's Hamlet, where there's just some Ooh. camera moves in there that are just like, okay, I never even thought of that, you know? When anything, right, you know. You think of Shakespeare; it's like, well, that's well. It, it
0: nothing can top, and I, I've I've explained this to students over the years. the the nineteen I think it's a nineteen forties film version of Romeo and Juliet with forty year old Norma Shearer as oh. Juliet and fifty year old Leslie Howard yes, as Romeo. That's, that's,
2: I, I've only seen stills of that. I'm
0: oh, I own it. It's uh, it's something to witness so much so that the first play I ever directed. Uh, made fun of uh, bad experimental Shakespeare, and I had uh, a wonderful man and woman who did a lot of Shakespeare scenes mm-hmm. in wacky styles. Like we did uh, Taming the Shrew like the Honeymooners, Fantasy Island-like, or, or The Tempest like Fantasy Island. And uh, we did the If if Romeo and Juliet were actually 12 to 14 years old, and then uh, the this version where the, he's 50, she's 40, and during the balcony scene, his trust breaks. Because that's what happens when you have a fifty-year-old playing Romeo. So anyway, uh, no chance for me then. Yeah, Chimes okay. of Midnight is out on uh, is out on Blu-ray as well, and and that's really I think well the Phenom, which I had not seen with Ethan Hawke, and uh, the miniseries The Night Manager with Hugh Laurie and Tom Hiddleston. If you're into John LeCarre stuff. Um, the Immortal Story is also out on Blu-ray. And if you need Rudy Ray more on Blu-ray, Disco Godfather is still out there. So that that's pretty much it at your local video store. Yes, we still I still go to local video stores. All right. Uh, when we come back after the break, we're going to take a short break. And then Jim Simmons and I are going to talk about films that capture summer. We're going to talk about stuff that's at IU Cinema. And then, yes, we do have an audio montage as a tribute to Gene Wilder. So stick around. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD2 The Point and WFYI.org. Welcome back to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msoci at WFYI.org. I'm also on Facebook, also on Twitter at Matthew Soce, hanging out with co-worker and friend Jim Simmons. Jim, before we get back to the films, while we're in Shameless Plugging Department, what uh, what things are happening in your cubicle?
2: Right now, I'm working on the uh, United Way simulcast. Um, i don 't know if uh, it 's funny if I say that that 's a term that we all know in the in the broadcasting stations here but basically the uh, the Tuesday after Labor Day, all the stations air some United Way stories and encourage people to donate to united way it 's very unique it 's we 're the first gosh we 've been doing it for decades and um Uh, as a city, and it's the first city that's done that, and it's been replicated a couple of places, but nothing like this. All the stations get together, all the anchors get together, the reporters, and do these stories. So that's what I'm working on that's immediate. And then following up on that, we're doing two things with Butler, Butler Arts Fest, uh, which uh, actually was a performance back in April, but we're turning that into a show. And then we're splitting off with the Indianapolis Chamber Orchestra, um, one of the Arts Fest shows called Peacemakers, which is an original composition composed by their uh, James Aikman, their composer in residence. And uh, it's about, it's it has a funny, unusual genesis in the sense it's about people trying to bring peace to this world, the, the famous people that you know, like the Eleanor Roosevelt's and Jimmy Carter's and John and Robert Kennedy and Gandhi. And, and the genesis is so weird because the, the composer openly admits he was walking on the beach one day thinking about a theme and thought about peace and then stopped himself in his tracks and said how many of these people that have tried to bring peace to this world are dead or assassinated, killed something terrible happened to them and it gave him pause and it made him want to make this original it's an 85 minute operetta piece not operetta uh, composition Um devoted to the people some of who have survived and some who haven't who have tried to make this a better world so I'm in a real arts mode right now and Mm -hmm. that's what I've got uh, ahead for me
0: appreciate you taking a break and come hang out here
2: Mm, no I'm (laughs) Uh, this is a first for me, and I'm enjoying every minute of
0: it. I and that's a fault on mine. Better late than never in this case. <laughs> so, uh, I do wanted to mention what is happening over at IU Cinema because school is back in session. So, you always, I, I I grew up in Flint, Michigan, so I'm used to drive. I was used to driving while well, riding with my dad to Detroit for movies. So, I don't mind traveling for. Arts, No matter what, uh, especially where I live nowadays. But uh, down at IU Cinema, and of course this also depends on what time you're listening to the show, but uh, Tuesday, September 6th at 7 o'clock is a part of the International Art House Series, the 2015 documentary Sonita. On Thursday the 8th, also the Art House Series at 9 o'clock, One More Time with Feeling. Friday, September 9th, you have at 3 o'clock, The Head of Joaquin uh, Marietta, and then uh, at 8.30 at IU Cinema Under the Stars at Bryan Park in Bloomington from 1983, War Games.
2: There you go. That's
0: fun. And then Saturday, September 10th at 3 o'clock is a part of the City Lights film series, The Director's Cut of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and then at 7 o'clock, Beaudoucet from Drowning from 1932. And then Sonita is played again on Sunday, the 11th, at 6:30 p.m. The Priet, Priet Igo Myth at three o'clock, and then Head Gone on Monday, the 12th. So anyway, those that, that's worth taking out. And then mark your calendars: Friday, September 16th, as a part as a part of the International Art House series at seven o'clock from 1970. John Waters' Multiple Maniacs. There you go. So yeah, International Art House from Baltimore. Very cool. All right. Um, One of the sources that I have here uh, at Film Sociology is the AV Club, the legitimate arts and entertainment reporting done by The Onion. And uh, last week, their question was, especially because school is pretty much in session, what movie best captures the spirit of summer? And some of the answers, by, and what happens, of course, is the writers uh, do a couple paragraphs on their answer. And then, in this case, she had like 650 comments. Now, AV Club comment uh, boards are are highly more evolved than, say, YouTube comment boards. And, of course, NPR doesn't have one. So some of the answers that the writers wrote include the original Dirty Dancing, okay. uh, days and Confused, Huh. Uh American Graffiti, which if I were to make a list, that's that's up there. Um Wet Hot American Summer, which I need to revisit again now that it is cult status. Um one we talked about before the show, Jaws, night which I have a story with that. Um The Virgin Suicides the Sofia Coppola oh, yeah, directorial that, debut. That's kind of a. Well, that's a long it summer. Doesn't scream. I guess summer if, you're, to if me. you're if you're if you're 14 and you're pining for the girls across the street and then they kill themselves, I guess you could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the gentlemen, one of the writers, wrote The Fifth Element. Okay. Um, do know. the right thing. That's a hot summer, okay, intense summer. Um, summer. summer. Um, yeah, okay. Let's see, really the oh um, the the film Wild Wild West. The, the really uh, god awful I mean, Will Smith film. You know what's
2: funny about that is because I was going to say something. The uh, when you asked me about that, uh-huh. that there were two films that popped into my head, and it was funny because it wasn't about the films. It was about what your was experience. What's going on around the films, sure. in the sense that, and one of the films I've never seen, but it was the first thing that popped into my head. Okay, and that's that a summer place, because uh. if you go back, if you go back, um, I'm afraid that I'm I'm of a boomer ilk. And Troy, I've never Troy seen, Donahue I've never seen that. And you think no, why Dini? would I think that? Yeah. Because the, the year theme. it came out, that theme, you think they played You're So Vain to Death when that <laughs> came out. <laughs> this thing, you could channel flip from Summer Place theme to Summer Place theme to Summer Place theme on the radio <clears throat> without missing a beat. Right. And even to this day, like in in the Michael Keaton Batman, you know, when they want to have kind of a... Smalti thing in the background with the yep. Joker.
0: What does he play? The theme, theme from a Summer Place*. So,
2: so that just that theme, you know, that's yeah. in everybody's DNA now. Yeah, that's, that's makes San- you think about summer.
0: Sandra D, Troy Donahue, uh, Dorothy McGuire, Richard Egan. Yeah, and if you know, you know the, the instrumental. I mean, I'm a big. I love um, pop rock instrumentals, fifties mm-hmm. through the 70s. Mm-hmm. That's a lost art. Um, but yeah, theme from Summer Place is is on that, it. and it's also if you need to let people know that there's a romantic moment happening in the fifties, you play that song. Yeah, so you, so, so that's movie. good.
2: And then and then the other one is Jaws because Jaws is the same thing as Summer Place. My God, that was everywhere. That's it was the first of the. Let's see if we can take and if you think about it, Jaws is really arty, but it's not a super super great film. And it's the first where you take a good film. But you give it exquisite marketing, and see how many theaters—if you can put in thousands and thousands of theaters at once—and all of a sudden you get a, a box office champ,
0: mm-hmm. you know.
2: And and you see that a lot now. That's kind of the the norm for the summer blockbuster. Correct. It was the first that followed that template, and so again, everybody talked about it. You know, I, it.
0: I'm gonna I will counter that with you could say the same thing about The Exorcist, three two years prior to that. Except for instead of a summer blockbuster, it was just a big movie that scared the hell out of you. Okay, I mean that, and I mean because peop- you're
2: saying that's kind of an average peop- movie too. No, I'm not saying
0: it's of- that. I think they're well, both. No. I think they're both excellent films. Oh, I think Spielberg Spielberg made a semi-expensive, the shark that ate Cape Cod <laughs> kind of story. He took a genre and then g- gave it a budget, and gave it camera angles, and gave it good actors. Well, he gave it.
2: He, well. He oh. He gave it. He gave it art. He gave it mm-hmm. clever art. Um, What was, um, and it's funny, one of the things I love about movies, and you're going to have to help me with this because you probably remember this better than I do, but I love movies and their original casts, and I think Jan Michael Vincent was supposed to be the Hooper character. Instead of Richard Dreyfuss? Because... Cooper in the book has an affair with Mrs.
0: Brody. Yes, so it? we had to
2: get kind of a stud in there, and then they got rid of that. It's like you know we're not with the stars, the shark. We're not gonna.
0: Can you can you imagine yeah. an extra fifteen minutes of that film with that in it? Well, thank God. Well, you know, yeah. where,
2: where would you have done it? Where would right. you put it in? And the other thing is, I think Lee Marvin was
0: the original. Quint. Lee Mar. They wanted Lee Marvin for Quint.
2: And and you close your eyes and you think about it. Robert Shaw's performance is really funny because. We always joke about the the Robert Wagner school of uh, uh, undefinable accents. You remember the the yeah. show? Takes a few, I'm a Polish worker. I'm a Russian worker. You know Shaw, Shaw has this terrible, it. and yet he is so so engaging. And I guess the story help me out, fans, if you're listening. I guess he wrote the Indianapolis scene because he thought that Quint wasn't sympathetic enough, and so he wanted when Quint. Got eaten at the end. That you know, people wouldn't cheer. Right. That uh, you know, Quint got his, um, and it it all works. You know, he he you you have moments where you feel generally, genuinely confused by him, and mm-hmm. and you like him, and then you hate him, and 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 I can't see Lee Marvin. I can't even see that happening at all.
0: Well, to be fair, I think even if even if uh, Quint is being ha- is being eaten by the shark, if he was within arms reach of Hooper, he'd have punched him in the face. Yeah. And, and at the very least, Robert Shaw wanted to punch Richard Dreyfuss in the face, but that's another story for another time.
2: Yeah, but you know, and and but uh, the other thing that, and I don't know if how many people. Um, oh goodness, my brother John was in Miami Film School, and I don't think this has come out a lot in stories. But he swears this is true that he had to pick up Carl Gottlieb for a student master class or interview mm-hmm. or something like that. And I thought this was interesting. He says that because the shark wouldn't work, so they had to figure out ways to make the shark to show work, work around without, it. Yeah. yeah, that they based that on uh, the thing from Another World, in the sense that the the little light going off. Beep, beep. If you remember the thing, you mm-hmm. always know where the thing is because the Geiger counters go off. Right. The barrel with the light is supposed to be kind of an homage to the Geiger counters in the thing, and I thought. I've never heard anyone else say that. I've never read it anywhere, but John says that Carl Gottlieb told him that. And I think that's really intriguing. It's another one of those fun, behind the scenes stories that you hope are true because they're so clever. And it's a good story. It's yeah, a good, it's story, a good then. story, yeah. So,
0: my, my movie, summer movie of choice, and it probably doesn't help that I watched it again last week with my wife, but Adventureland. Um, which is a Valentine to the crummy summer job. This is with <laughs> Jess, Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart, um, uh, Wendy Malick's in it. Ryan Reynolds is in it. And it's from the director super bad. but anyway, it's 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 a fun picture. A lot of folks uh, familiar faces in it, including Kristen Wiig and Bill Hader. So anyway, that th- th- those are summer films. On that, I do. We got a little bit of time left. I want to s- move on to this next subject, oh, okay. but first, an audio montage. A tribute to Gene Wilder.
1: Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. Come with me, and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look, and you'll see into your imagination. What are you doing? Good, bad. You better get bad, Jack, because you ain't bad. You're bad, they don't mess with you. <laughs>
0: yeah. Hey, home. Get down. Hey.
1: That's right, that's right, we're bad. Huh? Uh-huh. Uh, that's right. We don't want no. Yeah, it is. That's right. Darn right. We don't want no.
3: You understand?
0: Uh, we don't take too much. Shit.
1: Uh, we take a little bit. Damn right. That's right, no. no. Excuse me, sir. Could I please... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not a troublemaker. Skip. Skip! Skip! Okay, oh, no more hitting. Did you hear what I just Skip. said? Skip. No more hitting. Skip. All right, turn around. Skip. You want to stay late tonight? I said, turn around! Okay, let's get out of here. Come on, settle off. Harry, I'm freaking. Skip, get it out. So long, suckers. <laughs> hey, Harry. He thinks he's a horse. Help me. Skip. Harry. Don't hit him. Don't hit him. <laughs> please. He's sick. He's, he's having a fit. See, he don't have his pit pills. He's got He's got one. <laughs> Vietnam, please. Harry, help me, Skip. Harry. Skip. Help. Skip. Ha.
2: Skip. Ha. Skip. it's okay it's
1: okay you did it you did it he's okay now i'm okay i'm okay now Side of my system yes he's okay i'm a hundred percent but under the right circumstances a producer could make more money with a flop than he could with a hit How can a producer make more money with a flop than he could with a hit? Well, it's simply a matter of creative accounting. You simply raise more money than you really need. But what if the play was a hit? Well, then you'd go to jail. Come here, sit down right over here. I just want to get some history on you first. So, your name is...
3: Stavros Milos. And your address? Armenia. Armenia. I am from Armenia. I am visiting my brother. I
1: see. Um, occupation. Shepherd. A shepherd?
3: My whole family, except for my brother over here, who is a rug salesman. Mm-hmm.
1: Have you had any major illnesses? No. None. Good. So, now, what seems to be the trouble? I'm in love with the sheep. I beg your pardon? I
3: am in love with a sheep.
1: Oh,
3: I see. See, Doctor. Up there in the mountains, where I tend my flocks, it's so beautiful under the starry skies, and I am alone. And sometimes it gets so lonely, and the hours pass, and soon I desire a woman. But doctor, there are no women. I'm not married, and, well, one night last summer, I could stand it no longer. My body needed to be satisfied, and then I saw her her, Daisy. Sheep? I took Daisy off to a little cove, and there, under the Armenian sky, had sexual intercourse.
1: With the sheep? Naturally. Naturally. Oh, God. I have one question, Dr. Frankenstein. That's Frankenstein. Why, you mother-grabbing Beth? Give him an extra dollar. I'll count the hours that you're away. Oh, darling, so will Not I. Not on the lips. Dr. Frankenstein! Frankenstein. You're putting me on. No, oh, it's pronounced Frankenstein. Hand me that candle, will you? Put the candle back! Don't put the candle back. Said I give. No matter what you hear in there, no matter how cruelly I beg you, do not open this door. Ah! Let me out. Let me out of here. Get me the hell out of here. From what was once an inarticulate mass of lifeless tissues, may I now present a cultured, sophisticated man about town. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? Igor, would you give me a hand with the bags? Certainly.
3: You take the blonde and I'll take the one in the Oh.
1: Igor, may I speak to you for a moment? Of course. Sit down, won't you? Thank you. No, no, up here. Thank you. Uh, Now, that brain that you gave me, was it Hans Delbrooks? No. Ah, good. Uh, would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. Abby normal. I'm almost sure that was the name. (laughs) Are you saying that I put an abnormal brain into a seven-and-a-half-foot-long, 54-inch-wide gorilla! What? Is that what you're selling me? Wait! A man drink like that and he don't eat, he is going to die. When? What's your name? Well, my name is Jim, but most people call me Jim. (laughs) Okay, Jim. Since you are my guest and I am your host, what are your pleasures? What do you like to do? Oh, I don't know. Play chess? Screw? Well, let's play chess. Checkmate. What? Checkmate. Well, you devious son of a bitch. Happy days. Man, why you do that to yourself? (laughs) Oh, you don't really want to know that. I do, I do. Well, if you must pry. I must, I must. I don't know if you ever heard of me before, but... I used to be called the Waco Kid. The Waco Kid. He had the fastest hands in the West. In the world. Well, if you're the kid, then show me something. Oh, well, maybe a couple of years ago I could have shown you something, but today... Look at that. Steady as a rock. Yeah, but I shoot with this hand. See, I knew you wasn't no wake-old kid. You was just pulling my lariat. Oh, dearie, dear. Ah, well. Okay. See that, King? Yeah. Put your hands on both sides of it. Now, when I say go... You try to grab it first. Man, that's no contest. You're a mile away. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, when you hear the word go, you just try to grab it. Ready? Ready. Hey. You looking for this? Well, raise my rent. You are the kid. Was. Yeah, I was the kid. <coughs> well, what happened? Oh, well, it got so that every piss and prairie punk who thought he could shoot a gun would ride into town to try out the Waco kid. I must have killed more men than Cecil B. DeMille. It got pretty gritty. I started to hear the word draw in my sleep. Then one day... I was just walking down the street... and I heard a voice behind me say... Reach for it, mister. I spun around. And there I was, face to face with a six-year-old kid. Well, I just threw my guns down walked away. Little bastard shot me in the ass. So I limped to the nearest saloon, crawled inside a whiskey bottle, and (laughs) I've been there ever since. Have a drink. Thanks. Anyway, that's all ancient history.
0: There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Willie Walker and the Chocolate Factory, Stir Crazy, the original producers, his segment, and everything you wanted to know about sex, Young Frankenstein, and Blazing Saddles. And uh, looking at Gene Wilder's career, I go, I go to his IMDb page, he only has 37 credits. But you know what? Pretty high percentage as far as the stuff that we're always going to remember him for. Made everything
2: count. Made everything count. You know, it's funny when when you have a performer that can do so many different roles, and they're so unique, and they all they all go into pop culture right away. Yep. You know, people
0: said to give. I mean, you know, you know, it's. um, He did exasperated like nobody's business.
2: Yeah, and and all of his things, like I said, got absorbed by pop culture. So you can see him saying them and see the different costumes and. It it really is I don't know well it's just remarkable, you know, that what he was able to, hope to pull off.
0: Yeah. Uh it was it was my my daughter has seen young Frankenstein. I remember seeing young Frankenstein when I was five. Of course, I, I think I was at the right age to see something like Blazing Saddles. And the producers Um, last night, uh, I would say the other night, I should say, um, I showed her just the Gene Wilder segment of Woody Allen's Everything You Want to Know About Sex. Mm -hmm. That's the one where he's a doctor and he has a love affair with a sheep. Um, Going back, of course, uh, Bonnie and Clyde was the first film of note that he uh, that he got noticed for. This is the one he did before the producers. Um, I actually have a DVD of him from a 1966 TV production of Death of a Salesman, where he played Bernard and the uh, Lee uh. J Cobb played uh Willie Loman and then for you trivia nerds out there in the original production of One Fool Over the Cuckoo's Nest with uh Kirk Douglas as RP McMurphy uh Gene Wilder played Billy Bibbit the role that uh, Brad Dorf would do oh, would do in the picture uh,
2: I did not know that and that's that's awesome. So you're, it's, yeah. a different, it's a different take on him completely.
0: Exactly. So you, the producers, uh, Bonnie and Clyde, Start the Revolution Without Me, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Blazing Saddles, The Little Prince, Young Frankenstein. He, of course, wrote The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes's Smarter Brother. Worked with, uh, work with Richard Pryor four times, Stir Crazy, Silver Streak, Hear No Evil, See No Evil, and About Another You. Um, Haunted Honeymoon, of course, worked with Gilda Radner on Hanky Panky and The Woman in Red the frisco kid um i think i mentioned rhinoceros uh quax for fortune has a cousin in the bronx i mean it's a, it's a uh again to the point and he's going to be a it is immortalized in film history that's not bad to have no
2: no no
0: do you have a favorite
2: <clears throat> oh my goodness unquestionably young frankenstein i it's funny about that movie has such a vibe for me that like every second of it makes me smile every second makes mm-hmm. me laugh and it's not just it's not just how faithful they are to, to the how they spoof things it just it just has a vibe that that makes me laugh i mean i just sit down and watch it and i feel good the whole time it's on
0: yep and at least in in my household, that and I think Young Frankenstein one of the most quotable lines in film history, um, especially in our household. I can't I can't do Blazing Saddles as much uh, because my smarter two thirds haven't seen it, but uh, but there there are certain call and responses I have with my child, and uh, knowing that I could say Frankenstein. Or Blucher, or yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, it's I had a, to do that. Folks. It's, it's, it's a you know, genuine it's, it's impulse. A, it's obligatory, Yo, In our house, because of PBS, I say uh, one of us will say Barcelona and the other say Que. That's that's the socio household in a nutshell. But anyway, okay. um, and by the way, I, I I as much as I love Gene Wilder, I also have to point out a, a couple of years ago he he took the task the uh, Tim Burton. Uh, Will Charlie and the Chocolate Factory film mm-hmm. and made fun of remakes. Uh, he directed The Woman in Red, which was a remake of a French film from. The 20s. Uh, so you well, know, just it's it's all in the timing, I guess. But but no, well, big, it's all in the artistic decision. There artistic, there is that too. To what you
2: can bring to it, I, I wasn't aware that Tim Burton could bring anything more to that idea of a show with Johnny Depp than. Than was already done.
0: Well, I I still don't think you need the the spaz out at the end of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I understand it's there. I don't think it's needed because Charlie was a genuinely good kid, and I think uh, you know. But that's a debate for another time. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have some words to live by.
2: Silent green is people.
0: Zardoz Zardoz has has spoken. Go see a good movie. You deserve it, Jim Simmons. Thanks for hanging out. Thank you so much, Matt. It's been a re- it's been really fun. I've enjoyed every minute of it. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD2, The Point, and WFYI.org. Good afternoon, Fort Myers. Good afternoon, California. Good afternoon, Michigan. Nope. Nope. Nope.